I, uh, in, in my daily reading plan, uh, I, I use version for my daily read. Which, by the way, it's cold outside today. Come on, I got my sweater on. I love that. Big guy, Husky guys love pullovers, if y'all didn't know that. Buttons are for skinny dudes. You know what I'm saying? Husky guys are all about some, some cold weather because I, I get to wear uh, a sweater. So I'm, all, I'm happy about it today. And I got my preaching tennis shoes on. So there's no telling what I'm liable to do. Uh, in my Bible reading, I, I usually, in the plan that I use, usually has a psalm every day that you sort of read along with the other passages that you're reading in your Bible. And hopefully you have a reading plan that you're reading every day. And the, the book of Psalms is an amazing book. You know, David, uh, King David, the one that you see movies about and hear songs about and, you know, killed Goliath and all that. Sort of working through the Psalms, you'll kind of, you, you kind of get an idea of his life and just the ups and downs that he went through. And I love the way that he began this book. If you have your Bible or on you version, you can follow along your sermon notes. He starts Psalm 1 this way. He said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, or people who make fun of everything. There's some people in your life who are literally making fun of your spiritual progress right now. They're saying, man, this, this isn't going to last. I've seen this before. I, I know this about you. The Bible said, blessed are people who don't even hang around those kind of people. Verse 2 says, but those whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditate on His law day and night. Some of y'all were meditating last night. That's why y'all so sleepy today. <laughs> Verse 3 says, that person is like a tree. Now listen close. That per- Underline that sentence in your Bible. The person who does... The things that the previous verse just said and who doesn't do the things that verse 1 said. That that person, the blessed person who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or with sinners or sit in the company of mockers who finds their delight in the law of the Lord. That person is like a tree. Like a tree who's planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. Let me pause right here and tell you. Some of you are coming into a season where you're finally going to start bearing fruit in your life. I know there's some times in your life when you think, man, is it ever going to come to pass? Let me just tell you right now, it's going to come to pass. If you'll do the things that this Bible says, that if you'll do the things in this verse, if you'll do the things over the next half an hour we talk about, I promise you, there's going to be a season in your life, it's just seed time and harvest, that you're going to look around and you're going to go, man, it's finally working. Like things are finally coming together. There's fruit that's yielding in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. And then listen, Really close, because this is probably one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. And it's at least one of the most interesting in all of the Bible. Whatever they do, prospers. Did you underline that in your notes? Whatever it is they do, prospers. I always thought that was so interesting that David could say that there's a place that you can get in your life when whatever it is that you do would prosper. How many of you want to live a life like that? Would you just raise your hand? Look around at all the liars who don't have their hands up. I, 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 want, I want to live a life that whatever I do, if I choose this way, it prospers. If I choose this way, it prospers. Somebody caught me on the way in today and said, you know, their whole family was, was moving from California, which I think everybody ought to move to San Antonio and come to City Hills. Come on, Zoe. I think it's God's will for all your family to move here and come to this church. And it, it, it just, I just like that whatever it is that you choose. I said, well, did everything work out? She said, yeah, jobs worked out, housings worked. Everything just works out because when you delight yourself in the law of the Lord, the Bible says whatever you choose to do prospers. David would say, I'm like a tree that's planted by streams of water. And everything in my life 
starts prospering because of that. There's another passage in Psalm 52. I imagine that somebody came to David and asked him a question like this. David, how are you doing? Anybody ever ask you that? You don't tell me. Or like when you go to the office every morning, somebody says, hey man, how's it going? Well, what's your first response when somebody asks you, how, 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 like, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm good. Nobody ever says what they're really going through. Like, you know what, dude? I hate my wife right now. I've got to be honest with you. I'm trying to get She's trifling. She's on my nerves right now. I'm trying to get away from that girl. My kids, I don't even like them. I don't even know if one of them's mine. I hate them. I don't even. I, don't, I, I hate this job. My car broke down. Nothing's good in my life right now. Nobody answers that way. Everybody just says, it's good. Well, somebody asked David, David, how's your life going? Now, you got to understand, this is the same David who had sinned before God. I'm talking about horrifically sinned before God. This is the same David who had ups and downs in his life and his relationship. This is the same David who God had anointed king, but he wasn't king uh, yet. This is the same David who had, had, had the person, the woman he was committing adultery with, had her husband killed. Let me just pause here and tell you, that's not the wisest thing to do in God's eyes. And so David is this person who has all of these ups and downs in life. And somebody says, David, how's your life? How's it going? And here's how he answers. He says, I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. Would you underline flourishing in your notes? David did not say, I'm barely getting by. He did not say, I'm fine. Everything's okay. He said, no, no, no. In light of some decisions that I've made, I'm flourishing. Everything in my life seems to be going good. Everything seems, it doesn't mean that, that everything's perfect. No, no, no. It just means I'm growing here. I'm flourishing here. There's something in my life that's starting to prosper here. I'm bearing fruit here. It's amazing in the Bible. Oftentimes you'll see the child of God compared to a tree. You'll see that a lot in the Bible. You'll, you'll sort of see the, the analogy of a tree and how a tree is planted or, or watering a tree or a tree growing or, or, or watering your crop. And so I just want to talk for a couple of moments on the tree in me, the tree in you. I think there are, are several trees that can be kind of found in you. If you were honest and you answered the question, and I want to help you kind of get out of that, some of that today. I want, to, I want to elevate your level of living. You know, I say this all the time about City Hills that I want you to leave here better than you came. I want you to leave here lighter than you came. I, I grew up in a church where I felt like I left there worse than I, you know, I, just, I left heavy. I just left, I felt like I was going to go to hell before I got to church. And when I left church, I was sure I was going to go to hell. You know what I'm talking about? I thought I was beforehand. Now I'm confident I'm going to hell. After. I want you to leave here feeling like God's on your side and you can make it. And, and, and this is a life-giving environment. So I, I want you to sort of have that today that, man, it, it may not be perfect today. I may find myself in kind of one of these areas today but I can get better today let, let me give you five ways that I think that you can do that here's there's some people in this world some people in this room who are small trees would you write that down in your notes there's some people who are just they're just they're, they're sad at, now when I say small tree I don't mean short because we all know God prefers short people somebody say amen I'm, yeah amen to that and that's I didn't make that up that's in the Bible I can't I can't make it not, not I didn't make that up there's some people that are just small in every way. And we had a tree in our yard, Brandon and I, when we bought a house about a year and a half ago, that it just never would, it never would bloom fully. We just, we couldn't figure it out. So we called the landscaping, you know, company that had uh, planted everything. I just saw a small guy grinning like, he says, he's like, yes, I love this church. Uh, I, uh, we, we called our, our landscaping company. We were like, man, uh, this tree's just not growing. And he's like, well, we'll come out, we'll look at it. And he cut the end of the branch and on the inside it was green. And so he said, it's not dead. It's just not developing. There's some people in this room who are not dead spiritually, 
You're just not developing spiritually. You're just not reaching the full potential. As a matter of fact, you just decided I'm going to be small for a long time. This is just how I kind of like it small. I like my life to be small. People who like smallness, they, they think petty. They obsess over things that are small. You know why they like small things? Because they can control them. It's because I can control my relationship as long as it's small. Or I can control my life as long as it's small. You know, when we first started City Hills about six months ago, on our first weekend or our second weekend, I can't remember which one it was, somebody came to me kind of in the auditorium right here, and there were, you know, hundreds of people just like there are now. We only had one service then, and, 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 and they came to me, and they go, you know, Pastor, one of the reasons why we chose this church, one of the reasons why we're here today is because we don't like a big church, and we're here because we want a small church. And I looked him right in the eyes, and as honest as I could tell him, I could tell him, listen, you're going to like this church for a couple of weeks, but in a couple of weeks, you're going to hate this church, because we're not going to be small forever. Listen, it's okay to start small, but it's not okay to stay small when you were created to grow. Everybody shout amen to that. It's okay to start small in your relationship with God, but you can't stay small. you got to grow somewhere, because healthy things are always Growing. Healthy things are always growing. If you're not growing, your spiritual life is not healthy. It's not okay for you to stay small. It's not okay for our church to stay small. We have vision. Can I preach a little vision to you? Are you okay for that? Our church has vision for more. You look around here. I want you to literally look around. This looks like an elementary school. And before we come in here, it smells like little boys that are sweaty. And it's terrible. It's awful. We burn incense and candles and sacrifice things. It is... Because it smells terrible when we first get here on Friday night. You look around here and you take a good mental picture of this. Because we're going to start here. But listen to me. We're not staying here because we've got a vision for more. We're created for something more. This is It's okay to start small. It's just not okay to stay small. That's why we launched a second service and they're already filling up. Let me let you in know a little secret. You ready for this? Don't tell anybody else I told you, okay? On the podcast, whoever's listening, don't, don't tell anybody I told you. We're, we're going to add a third service. You ready for that? On Easter, there's three opportunities. You can come at 9 if you're really spiritual and you love Jesus, or 1045 like, like you folks, or for whatever reason, if you're a sinner, we're, we're launching a 1230 on Easter Sunday. Like three opportunities for you to come to church. You say, why more services? Because we're not going to stay small. We are destined to grow, and healthy things are always reaching more people. Shout amen to that. Come on. You need to clap bigger than that. Come on. Yeah. Y'all going to make me act up today because y'all not preaching. And I'm okay with acting up. I promise you, I'm going to have a good time preaching. We, you say, well, why, why are you constantly reaching for more? What's the, what's the, is it all about numbers with you? Listen close. It kind of is all about numbers with me. Let me tell you why. Because every number has a name. And every name has a story. And every story on every chair in this room matters to God. And so we're going to add more services and we're going to reach more people. On Easter Sunday, we're going to believe God that you're going to bring your family and friends and co-workers and neighbors. You're going to fill up all three services. We're believing God for 500 on our first Easter. Come on, somebody. That's going to be an amazing day. So many people are going to get saved. It's going to, it's going to be crazy that day. You say, why are you reaching for more? Because even though we started small, it's not God's will for healthy things to stay small. Let me ask you, are you staying small in your life? 
Are you staying in your same circle of friends on the same little hill that you've always been on and you're not expanding your life? Luke 2 and 52 says it this way. Jesus grew in stature and He grew in wisdom and He grew in favor with God and with man because healthy things grow. I don't want you to accept the limitations of your life. I want you to begin make progress in your life. I want you to start moving forward in your life. How many of you would, would like to get out of a rut in your life? Would you just raise your hand and say, man, I'm in a rut in some area. I need to get out. Some of you honest folks, everybody else is going to need to repent in a moment of time. We'll be at the altar in a moment. I'm just, there's some areas in my life I'm in a rut. I got to be honest with you. And I need to make progress this year. I don't need to stay where I always am. I need to keep growing. I like the way Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians. He said, we didn't fence you in. He said, the smallness that you feel, it comes from within inside of you. Your lives aren't small. You're just living them in a small way. And then verse 13, he tells the Corinthian church, I want you to open up your lives. I want you to live openly and expansively. That's what I want to do. I don't just want to, I just don't want to do anything. It's not just about doing something. It's about doing the things that cause you to grow. That's why, listen close, that's why some of you need to take a step and get water baptized. It's because I want you to grow. You say, man, are you saying I'm not, no, 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 I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying if it's small and your relationship with God has never made progress past the initial time that you put your faith in Jesus, the first time that you repented of your sins, the first time that you said yes to Jesus and you crossed that line of faith, if that's where you stopped, it's not enough. Come on, somebody. You need to keep growing. You need to keep moving. You need to keep doing the right things. That's why some of you need to stay for growth track today. You say, well, what? it's just all about the team. No, no, no. I tell everybody, our, our team tells, our dream team in growth track, they'll tell you, listen, we don't need more people to do work here. But we want something for you. I want something for your life. I want you to begin to find fulfillment in serving other people and making a difference in your life. And you can't do that if you're small and your relationship with God stays small. Everybody say amen to that. All right, here's the second thing if you're taking notes. Some people are just average trees. Not really small. They're just not large. They're just kind of average, you know. They're just kind of barely getting by. Listen close. I want you to resist the standard of mediocrity. There is a cancer in our generation that is the average status quo. It's, it's just barely getting by. Now listen close. You don't have to like this about this church, but as long as I lead here and God lets me, we're gonna always, I'm going to always preach this way. This is not an average get by, barely get through enough church. This is a church that believes in giving above and beyond. In going above and beyond. This is a church that believes that so many people in the hill country need hope and life. That we're going to do absolutely extraordinary things. Exceptional things. We're going to give exceptionally. We're going to tithe exceptionally. We're going we're to be consistent. We're going to serve exceptionally. We're going to do above and beyond because average just isn't working. Some of you in your life, you think, man, I'm just, you know, we don't have a bad marriage. We just have an okay marriage. Well, I don't have a bad job. I just have an okay job. We don't have a bad relationship. I just, we're kind of like everybody else, you know. My attitude isn't any worse than anybody else's attitude around here. You know, everything, I kind of give like everybody else. I kind of serve like everybody else. 
The Bible squarely teaches against that mediocrity, that averageness. Here's what Jesus would say. He would would tell a Hebrew population that, that, that the Romans were occupying Judea at the time. And when a Roman would walk up beside you and he would say, Hey, I want you to carry this thing for me. I, I want you to, you know, whatever it is, this weapon, or, or I want you to carry this jar of water, or I want you to carry this load. The, the Roman law would say that whoever was being occupied, whatever area in this particular setting, it was Judea, that you had to carry that for one mile. He could compel you, he could command you to carry that for a mile. And then if he asked for your coat, you had to give him literally your outer garment. You had to take it off and give it to him and he could have it for that mile. And here's what Jesus walks into that, that, that economy. Here's what he said. If they ask you to go one mile, listen, I want you to go two. If they ask for your coat, I want you to give them your undershirt to your cloak too. I don't want you to just be average. I want you to go above and beyond. I want you to do more than what's expected. Let me ask you a question. On your job, who do you think they're looking to give a promotion to? The people who just barely do enough to get by or the people who are exceptional? The people who are doing more and going above and beyond? I want you to show up. If you've got to go to work in the morning at 9 o'clock, I want you to get there at 8.45 in the morning with a big smile on your face. I want you to bring your boss coffee and I want you to look at him in the eyes and go, man, I'm thankful for this job. Now listen, you may hate your job. You may hate your boss. Hopefully they don't come to church here. You may, you may hate everything about your life but let me tell you something you will not grow you will not have an expansive life if everything you do is just barely getting by if it's just average if it's just I'm just going to do the bare minimum listen hey our dream team will tell you we don't just serve the minimum here we serve above and beyond we don't just do the lowest common denominator here we say what else can I do how else can I serve how much more can I give are you still awake say amen to that I was listening to Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church several years ago. And uh, Rick Warren wrote uh, the best-selling book of all time on planet Earth aside from the Bible. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. Sold more copies than any other book ever in print except uh, the Bible. And uh, just uh, built a dynamic church uh, in, in Southern California. And he was giving a leadership talk, super casual. I actually had his shoes off, just kind of sitting on a couch, just kind of talking a little bit. And they were asking about this, this idea of, man, what, what kind of, what gave you that exceptional, you know, that there are tens of thousands of people attending Saddleback and millions and tens of millions of people have read your book. You know, what, what kind of gives you that exceptional life? And he said, man, I just decided I'm going to do more than anybody else is going to do. He said, one area of that is giving. He said, when we first started our church, my wife and I had decided we would just start giving a percentage of whatever we could. So we would give, you know, two or three or five percent of our income. And then we finally made a full tithe. We would tithe 10 percent of our income. And we did that for a couple of years. And he said, then the more successful my book sales got, the less money I took from my church. And he said, I began to tithe higher percentages. We tithed 15 percent and 20 percent. And 30%. He said, right now, as of the time that he was sitting on the stage with me, he said, we actually, his wife Kay and he, they reverse tithe. They tithe 90% of their income to God and live on 10% of it. Now listen to me. We don't do that. Come on, somebody. We're not there yet. But let, 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 me, let me be the first to tell you. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. That's how we're going to live our lives. Because I'm going to do above and beyond. I don't want to just be average with God's house. I want to do more than anything. I, I want to be able to be above average. I want to be exceptional in everything that we do. I want my life to constantly be growing and expanding and moving forward. Say amen to that. Here's what happens in your life, especially in the lives of believers. A lot of times we stop learning we just stop learning we have two babies a five-year-old and a 
two-year-old, they were on the stage uh, today. My little two-year-old's got the yellow pants on right here. And he needs to get baptized. Hopefully he will. <laughs> he, he needs it. All two-year-olds need to get saved. Come on, somebody. And uh, the other day we were driving, uh, yesterday we were driving back from San Antonio. I don't know where we were, but we were, we were deep into San Antonio. And, and when you live in Bernie and you go to San Antonio, it's kind of like, you know, going to the big city. You know what I mean? You got to pack up everything and whatever. <laughs> anyway, so we, we, we were coming back from, from San Antonio. I promise you it was 30 miles. I mean, it was, it was a while. I mean, we were 30, 45 minutes. And the moment that Henry got in the car, he started talking. And he did not stop saying words until the moment we got out of the car in Bernie, Texas. He just talked the whole, he talked crazy stuff. Stuff didn't make no sense. Some of it was English. Some of it he was talking in tongues. Some of it nobody had a clue what he was talking about. He didn't know. He was talking to himself. He was expressing himself. He was make-believing with stuff. He was talking to Hazel. And I, I looked at Brandy and I said, what in the devil? Why, why does he talk so much? And she goes, well... I mean, look at you, but other than that, like she said, he's learning. She said this, he's expanding his vocabulary. It's amazing what happens when you're brand new to faith. You'll just expand and grow and learn. And when you come to church, you're always learning. But there's something that happens in your life. At some point in your spirituality, you move from being learners to being knowers. Would you write that down in your notes? You move from learning about God to, oh, I know that. I know what he's going to say. I know about serving. I, I know all about giving. I, I know this story. I, I, I pretty much wrote the, you know, that story in the Bible. Like, I know all about that. Like, I'm, I've, I, I've been to, I know all about. And we go from being learners to being knowers. Here's the problem. That knowing interferes with learning. That if you approach your spiritual life with God, that I know, I know that. I know everything. I know this. Do you know anybody that's a know-it-all in your life? Would you raise your hand as long as you're not married to them? <laughs> like, I don't want you to get in trouble. Yeah, there's some people in their lives that are just, they know it all. They just, I know this. and Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. I know all about that. I, I was in Vietnam. and what, <laughs> you, No, you weren't. You didn't go to Vietnam. You got flat feet and you're goofy. You didn't go to Vietnam. Yeah, I just know it all. And listen, here's the problem with somebody who knows about God. Is that at some point you stop learning about God. I never want to get to the point where I can't expand my relationship with God. Where things in me aren't growing and thriving. And when I come to church and I go, man, I've never thought of it that way. I've never applied that principle. I've never, I've never read that. I've never done that. I, I am not going to settle for average because when you settle for average, you miss out on a flourishing life. Say amen, everybody. Let me give you the third thing. Because you're fading fast. I know that you're sleepy. And I'm hungry. So <laughs> it kind of works out for everybody. The third thing is this. There's some people in life that are an infected tree. They're just infected. I don't know if you know anybody like this in your life. But there are people in your life who are just infected. And, and, and the infection of a tree, listen. An infected tree almost always is a result of an infection in some, some other tree that's planted close by it. Would you listen close to me? There's all, almost always the infection of one tree is a result of the infection of something planted close by. And in proximity, the pollen of that tree or the bees carry it or the wind carries over that infection. I, I remember I was talking to a friend who had a, a fruit tree in their backyard. And, and, and for five years, it was a peach tree. And for five years, it was big and had a ton of leaves, but it never produced a harvest of peaches. Not one time, not for five years. It was just season after season. There was no, 
There was no harvest. And then one year, dramatically, there was like this, over, this abundance of peaches. On, on year number six, nothing changed. No reason any different, but the, you know, the trees just loaded down with peaches. And so my friend called the, you know, the, the nursery, nursery where they bought this fruit tree and said, I, just, I don't understand, did I do something else? And he said, no, here's probably what happened. He said, probably what happened is there's a tree close by that is fruit producing. And whatever was on that, it, that tree, the good nutrients, the right stuff carried over. And it finally got to your tree. And so it started producing fruit. Listen close to me. There's some of you in your life that it's not you. It's the people you're planted around that are infected. And it's infecting your life. Well, one psychologist says it this way. That you are the average of the closest five people in your life. Would you take just a moment and look around and think about the closest five people in your life? Would you, like, look around you right now and go, man, I'm the average of you and you and you. Oh, boy, I'm in trouble. I mean, it, listen, if you, take, if you take their incomes, if you take their, their experiences, if you take their education, if you take their spiritual life and you add it all together and you average it, you are the average of the closest five people in your life. And there's some stuff inside of your spiritual life that's infected, not because you're sick, but because they are. And you're planted close to them. And the infection is moving from them to you. That's why the Bible would say this. Above all else, guard your heart. It said guard your heart above everything else. Because everything that you do flows out of your heart. You have to guard who you're planted beside. Come on somebody. You have to guard who you let inside of your... You, you have to guard the voices in your life. And this is the reason why. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's because your fruit is a direct result of your roots. The fruit in your life is directly related to where you put down roots in your life. Your fruit is a result of where you're planted. And who you're planted next to. Amen everybody. Here's the fourth thing. And our musicians are coming out. Here's, here's, here's one of the most disheartening things. i got to be honest with you. Here's one that concerns me the most. I'll be completely honest with you. If you're taking notes number four. is an uprooted tree. The psalmist would say it like this in Psalms 92. He said the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. And they'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon. In verse 13 they said this. Planted in the house of the Lord. Here's the caveat. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. And they'll still bear fruit in old age. And they'll stay fresh. And they'll stay green. It's amazing to me what happens when adversity comes to the life of some people. Because the very first thing they do is uproot themselves from the very thing that's going to give them the life, give them the hope, give them the nutrients, give them the thing they need to get through the hardest time in their life. Many people uh, believe in Jesus and they love Jesus. They're just not planted in the house. There's something that happened probably back in their life or in their parents' life. or Some of it's a really good reason. You know, they got hurt at church. There was something that happened. They had a bad experience. Or sometimes people just have a baby or, they, you know, life gets busy. They start a new job and they feel like it's no big deal. But listen to me. When an unbeliever, when it, well, I'm sorry, when a believer is uprooted, when a believer is uprooted from God's house, it's amazing what happens to their spiritual life because trees are meant to be planted in soil. And when you're not planted in a faith family, you're not planted in God's house, it's amazing what will go wrong in your life. 
one of the things I ask when I sit down with couples or families or individuals to counsel them. One of the first things I ask, I ask them a couple of really important things just right on the front. And if you ever sit down with me, I'll probably ask you this. The first one is this. Do you guys faithfully attend on Sundays and to a connect group? And the second one is, do you guys serve anywhere? And the third one is, do you tithe? You say, well, that's crazy. I'm here because of marriage, because I don't like my husband. <laughs> what does that have to do with any of this? Well, it has everything to do with it. Because if you're uprooted, then you can't, whatever it is that I do to help this tree, if I spray water all over it and I give it all kinds of nutrients and I pour miracle grow on top of it, if it's not planted in the ground, it will still eventually die. Because health only comes, flourishing comes when you're planted. When you just put down roots. There's some of you that today, you need to get planted in the house. You need to go to growth track. You say, man, this is just a sales pitch for growth track. No, I promise you, it's just not. I just get concerned when people aren't planted. I just think health and flourishing comes from just saying. You know what I, I tell people in our, in, our, in our growth track, and if you've been through it, you know this on, on our dream team. I tell people all the time, this doesn't have to be the church you get planted in. Just get planted somewhere. I'd like it to be this church, but if it's not, it's okay. Just get planted somewhere. Just quit looking around for the next thing and the next thing. Just decide, you know what? We're going to be faithful here. We're going to give here. We're going to serve like crazy here. We're going to put our roots down here. We're going to raise our kids here. My kids are going to be on those stairs, jumping around, halfway looking and halfway just <laughs> jumping around. This is going to be my faith fan. I'm going to see this through. I'm going to get planted in the house. You're not going to have to worry about me, where I'm going or, or why I missed this weekend. You're not going to have to worry because we're going to get planted in the house. We're just, going to get, we're just going to get planted. Because an uprooted tree can't flourish. It's just not possible. It's just not possible for you to get the nutrients that you need. It's not because, it's not because I'm controlling or a sheriff. When I send you a note or one of our team, one of our dream team, they're great. Or your connect group leader. When he calls you and goes, hey man, I've been missing you at church. It's not because he's controlling or wants to know, you know what's going on. It's, it's because... The, the, the number one sign of unhealth in a believer is that you start uprooting from the faith family. You, you start saying, man, I think I can do this on my own. You, you need to get planted in good soil of a church family. You need the water of God's Word. You need the sunshine of God's presence. You need the shade of God's family. You need all of that. You need to get planted in the house so that, here's the fifth thing, so that you can be a flourishing and a fruitful tree. So that you can look around at your life and say, you know what? Everything's not perfect, but I'm growing. I'm flourishing. Things are on, things are, things are prospering around me. I'm, our marriage is doing better. I think church ought to make every area of your life better. We, we, one of our core values at, at City Hills is transformation. Here's the way we say it. If a year from now you look back at your life and you're, you're living the exact same way, everything's exactly the same, same house, same car, same bad marriage, same bad kids, same habits, same addiction, same lack of prayer, same lack of spirituality, same lack of commitment, if all that's true, then we failed you as a house because this house believes in transformation. I don't want, I, God accepts you right where you are, but He loves you too much to leave you right where you are. He wants you to be a flourishing and a fruitful tree. You say, well, how do I do that? Why don't you take your spouse by the hand? If your kid's just a hill, why don't you grab them and stand up all over the house? And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to show you how to do that. Everybody's standing all over the house. Here's how that happens. Here's how it happens. Come on, get, you, get your spouse. 
Clinton's family day. Put your arms around them. Act like you love those people. Come on, grab your kids. If you're single, this is a good chance to make a move. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do anything weird. Somebody came to Jesus and said, how do we do that? How do we find our place? He said, I'll tell you. Abide in me. And I'll abide in you. And as the branch can't bear fruit of itself, you can't fix your own life. You can't. I, 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 people come to me with addictions and they say, well, I can quit any time. Well, just quit. If you can, just do it. But you can't. Because a, 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 a branch can't bear fruit by itself. You say, well, I can just, we can fix our marriage anytime. We'll just fix it. But you can't. A branch can't bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. And then here's what Jesus says. I am the vine. And you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him. Listen close. He bears much fruit and apart from me everything else in your life is not going to make sense if you're at City Hills today and you think man I can't seem to get it right we can't seem to fix our family we can't seem to fix our marriage I can't seem to get out of this rut we, I can't seem to get beyond this thing I can't seem to shake this habit I can't seem to get out of this bad condition I don't know what I'm doing wrong tell me what I'm doing wrong I'll tell you you gotta abide you just got apart from him you can't do anything you gotta decide I'm just gonna make this the center of what we do I wanna be a flourishing tree I want my life to be fruitful I want everything I touch to prosper come on somebody I want everything in my life to prosper I want that to be true for you you take your family, wrap them up in your arms and bow your heads. And I'm going to pray. And If you're a single mom here today or a single dad, you got your kids. Or maybe you're married and your kids are already gone. Or if you do have your kids around you, I want you to just wrap them up. I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to start praying over them. I'm going to pray over all of you. But it would be okay if they heard your voice, dad or mom, say, God, touch my family, touch my babies today. Father, I pray for every family in the room. God, I pray for people today who have battled smallness all their life that's smallness that keeps them confined like I'll never have any more I'll never grow any beyond this I guess this is just all it's ever going to be no 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 God's called me to more God's calling us to bigger God's calling us to greater God's calling you to expand I pray for people who are planted in an infected environment, that the people around them are infected, that just unhealthy relationships, unhealthy sphere of influence. I just pray, God, that you'll remove all of that stuff. Let there be some healthy relationships, good godly friends. I pray for people to join a connect group, find other believers, find people they can get in life with, get in community with. Their lives could be changed forever. They could really find freedom. Father, I pray for people who have struggled with being uprooted. They just, it's, it's just amazing what happens when adversity comes. They pull away and instead of leaning into it. And they're not really planted in the house. Their feet really aren't planted in. They're not serving. They're not giving. They're not, they're not faithful. They're just, they're just kind of uprooted. I believe in Jesus. I just don't have a... I just, I'm just not planted. I pray today would be a day. God, they get planted. They just decide, this is the day I'm going to put my feet down. I'm going to join the team. I'm going to join City Hills. I'm going to find a church where I can believe in the vision. Get behind it. Serve with all of my heart. I pray for average people, God, who have just been doing the bare minimum. I pray this is a church of exceptional people. Exceptional workers. Exceptional husbands. God, uh, wives that go above and beyond. Moms and dads 
who raise exceptional world changers. I pray for people who worship exceptionally, give exceptionally, and serve exceptionally. God, I pray for people who are more and above and beyond and not just average. God, I pray for a flourishing and fruitful church. God, you've got more for us to do. There are tens of thousands of people in the hill country who haven't heard the hope and life found in God's presence. Father, there are millions of people in Central Texas who need to know there's something more. There's just something deeper. It doesn't have to be dead and dull. Church is not meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. And Father, I just pray. I just pray this would be a church always growing and always moving and always stretching, always expanding for more and greater and further and the next person to hear the hope and life found in Jesus. Now I want you to raise both of your hands in the air. If you're holding your spouse's hand, I want to pray God's blessing over you. Would you let me do that? Raise both of your hands in the air. I pray the Lord would bless you and that He would keep you and that His face would shine on you. And I pray that the Lord would turn His countenance towards you and He would look on you. He would look on your marriage and your life and your job and your relationship and the thing that you need to let go of and move beyond and move past. I pray God would look on that thing and that the God of all peace would give you the only thing that He can where my job can't fulfill me, where marriage and relationships are failing me, where nothing seems to satisfy addiction and chemical and anything else in my life I've tried can't seem to give me the peace of God, I pray. The God of all creation would give you that in this very moment. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody shout, Amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise all over the house.